0: Hello and welcome
1: to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmaid and this week we're delving into our archive looking back to August 2014 to John Cale and Liam Young's project Loop 60 Hertz, transmissions from the drone orchestra.
2: Yeah, it's actually putting yourself in in unfamiliar places, places where you don't know quite what the result of your actions will be. That's a really good place to be because things happen.
1: Digital Revolution was launched in 2014 at the Barbican, an exhibition bringing together artists, filmmakers, architects, designers, musicians and games developers. Alongside and to complement this exhibition, on September the 12th and 13th, the theatre welcomed musical pioneer John Cale and his collaborator, architect and technological storyteller Liam Young. Arguably one of the most weird, wonderful and surreal evenings I've had. Kale's music was projected into the auditorium by a choir of moving drones who flew and danced around the theatre. There were nets suspended above the audience's head to make sure they didn't fall on us. None of them did. It definitely redefined my idea of surround sound forever. To begin the podcast, I found myself on a hot summer's day outside the Brutalist Barbican, talking to Liam Young, trying to grasp what everyone was going to experience. Where did this fascination with drones come from?
3: I mean, I'm trained as an architect, but I'm really just interested in the way that technology shapes and affects the city. So drone technology is, whether we like it or not, something which is going to be an increasingly pervasive part of our experience of urban spaces. So we started thinking about drones as new and emergent forms of nomadic infrastructure and what they could start to do in the city. That conversation is very much at the moment predicated around issues of surveillance, militarized applications... We're trying to think about just how you might relate to these drones in other ways. If they're going to be everywhere, how can we start to relate to them in a new ways?
1: We're, we're kind of coming into this project you're doing with John Cale about two years in. So, this, this conversation has been going on for a while.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I was out in Burning Man and we were flying drones around, as you do. Um, we had speakers on board and we were broadcasting Flight of the Valkyries and, and strange and bizarre stuff. It was very appropriate in that context. And I got back to civilization. And I had an email waiting for me from John Cale's record label, and we just started the conversation. And we've been looking for a couple of years for the right venue, the right space, the right set of circumstances that, that meant we could actually do this. It's actually quite challenging to, to fly drones indoors over people's heads, buzzing them, blowing their hair back with downward thrust really has never been achieved before it's never gotten past the health and safety guys
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you about the name could you explain where the um, loop 60 Hertz comes from
3: it's it's John's title it's it's actually in reference to a very early piece that he did thinking about um, certain frequencies of technologies I mean I really love this idea that he began in the in, in the early 60s which was The idea of tuning your instruments to the frequency of refrigerator motors, you know, because these domestic appliances were the sound of modernization. Domestic appliance was changing the way we were living. So that was the sound of modernization. And what I think now is the drone of the drone is actually the sound of an emerging generation. So I think the title starts to refer to those ideas of, you know, the frequencies of technology and the cycles of technology. Um,
1: It's it's incredible though, and I I mean this must have gone through your head, This, this, this musician that was helped revolutionize music with the Velvet Underground with you know again going back to the drones and, and his Viola yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible that he's willing to take a risk at this point in his career and do something which is you know it's all new territory mm-hmm.
3: But well, that, that's, a, that's a true artist is someone that keeps pushing um, and he's never stopped and he's always just looking for, for new things. And we, we did a walkthrough of the Digital Revolution show here at the Barbican and he was like a kid in a candy store. He was so excited about every little moment he saw. We walked through together and I was just trying to describe who the artists were, what the project was, and he was endlessly fascinated. But he's always, he's always searching, you know, and that's what defines um, a real creative, is um, someone that's always
1: running. Without giving too much away, I just wanted to maybe get a little bit more information about, about the performance. Is there a, the idea of the, the sort of the, the drones dancing? And I also believe you're going to be dressing the drones up somehow.
3: Yeah, the the drones in their naked form are, are skeletal pieces of technology. They're frames, props, motors, and circuit boards. Part of the project is to to think about the drones in a new light, to think about the drones as characters or strange kind of species or natural specimens. So how might we start to see them? Um, How are they dressed? What are they wearing? What sort of references do we take to to deal with these technologies? Are they humanoid-like? Are they animal-like? Are they like birds of prey drifting through the air? Are they colourful and garish? Or... Are they refined and restrained, or are they militaristic? You know, I think that's a significant part of the project is is trying to think about how we
1: might connect to the drones visually. I, I think at the end of the day, though, to you know to sum it up, anyone who sits down in, in the theatre is going to get a concert like none other.
3: It's it's going to blow your hair back. Creatively aside, it's going to be quite extraordinary, utterly unique, um, audiovisual immersive experience. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks, man.
1: Liam headed back inside to carry on the exhaustive testing of the drones with his team, and I was lucky enough then to have an audience with the one and only John Cale. Has experimentation always been something that's, that you feel is very important?
2: Yeah, it's actually putting yourself in, pla- in unfamiliar places. Places where you don't know quite what the result of your actions will be. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could mean anything. So it's <laughs> really in, in in composition or in performance. That's a really a good place to be because things happen. I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen when we when we got together here. And it was it seemed like a lot, it seemed like getting a grip on all of it was really... Something you better give up at the beginning and just see what happens.
1: And sure enough, it happened. That was a great moment. It's kind of a leap of faith, isn't it? you you putting your music and yourself in the hands of these mechanical flying objects and, and hoping something, maybe not what you originally thought, will come out of it. Uh,
2: I, I don't think I'm putting my, my my career in the hands of mechanical helicopters. But I, I think it's really creating new relationships with things and that's what happens with no matter how hard you try to, to discipline what the, what the copters do they have a way of developing a personality i think people generally you know bestow personality on objects anyway they do it with dogs with cats they, that kind of personalization is it seems to be automatic sometimes
1: I think one of Liam's things is the idea of taking something which has got, you know, evil or bad connotations, you know, this this idea of these the drones having military use and then turning it into something positive. Is, is that something that attracted you?
2: Well, I think, I think Liam's view is based on, on, on pretty much everybody else's view of war. And I think war is useful and it always has been. And it's, that's what people use it as. So the evil is not in
1: war itself. It's in
2: the people that use it
1: obviously it's early days and I think like you're testing out at the moment what's starting to go through your head I mean are you you starting to think of what songs would work best what what instrumentation
2: yes all of that I think that's already happened it's a question of how we fill 70 minutes and how uh, how to employ the strands that we've developed here in these past two days and see how you can best put them to use when we get back together and when we get back together there will be already a a map of what the evening will look like musically. It's then what you do with the visuals and how you use the music with the drones. I think the most efficient way to do it is for me to go back to LA and, and sit down and work out some interesting arrangements that have, mm. that lean on drones. And, and, and so you change the song to, to, the, to the circumstance. And I think there's, there's something very hypnotic about this whole situation. That's, that's mm. really something I'm comfortable with.
1: I think people will have this kind of intense level of concentration, won't they? Because they'll be listening to the music and also sort of trying to take in the experience on, on, on lots of different levels.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really how I think you've got to be sceptical sig- and I've got to be sceptical because I've got, to, I've, I've got to find the delight in it. Mm. Yeah, I found some of it. I hope I find some more. I mean, will you be ignoring the drones? you no, you don't. You don't ignore them. You, you you don't pay attention to them, but I mean, you certainly don't don't ignore them. You just you know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they they have the space in which to do it, and you try and help them fill that space. You know, you don't use eight drones all at once. You use a, a mixture of them, and some of them do one thing, some of them do another, mm. and that's the kind of choreography takes uh, takes really precedence over over trying to. Make your music protrude in, in this situation. It's really got to be part of it, and really, that's that's another aspect of marrying the two. That, that's really interesting when you don't know what you're doing because you end up with something that you never expected would happen.
1: It, it's a collaboration, isn't it? It's it's, yeah. it, it's, it, it's you and Liam presenting something together.
2: Yeah, and and Liam has his language of doing things, which is which is kind of amusing in a way. And and, and, and sort of does, I, and I know what it is, and I've I've, I've seen it before. It's not something that I generate. I move towards in the way I speak, but it's very interesting because it's he says something totally different from what I would say, but he means the same thing, <laughs> and it's it's um, yeah, it's fun to watch and fun to you know because all the people on the stage that are working with these are not choreographers. They're they're headed scientists and
1: has this been similar at all to anything else that you've done previously does this kind of ring e- echoes with anything else no
2: there's a lot of innocence in this i mean i've, I've been in, a, in an innocent relationship for quite a while and it's because nobody really knows what anybody's really doing i mean i've done my bit I've, I've brought a tapestry to which they can relate and but above that it's you know we're learning the language of collaboration here we've got to work it out. So, I'm looking
1: forward. As a bonus on this podcast, we once again spoke to John Cale on the approach to his future Spectre performance in March 2018. On the 9th and 10th of March 2018, Cale was joined by the London Contemporary Orchestra to help explore the enormous Technicolor scope of his musical output, playing selections from the Velvet Underground, the proto minimalist songs of the Dream Syndicate, his collaboration with Lamont Young. And his richly enigmatic solo music, with strings, brass, percussion, bringing extra undiscovered colours to the surface. Very late one evening, I was connected through to Kale on the phone from his base in LA. Last time you were at the Barbican, you were working with Liam Young and a set of robotic drones. Just interested to know how that went. What did you take from that experience?
4: Well, actually, it was uh, the the hall itself was part of it too. You know, we put speakers in the drones and they were flying around and. Some of my vocals, when I was singing, some of my vocals had come out of the drones. And that, that particular theater at the Barbican has surround sound. So it was great. I mean, we could move things around the room and fly voices coming in and move them going up and down in, in, in the theater itself. But we're not using that theater
1: this time. Yeah, we're, we're in the hall. So moving to March, the Future Spective. Is it an attempt to capture your entire career? I mean, that's quite ambitious. It's just really preparing
4: people for a free-for-all, that there's a lot of different ways of doing some of the songs, and I love doing that. I love throwing ideas around, and we've got the LCO, and we can do a lot of those songs in ways that people have never heard them before.
2: So much wanting to be seen She'd open up the doors and make carry us away it's the yeah I mean, how
1: do you approach arrangements? Um, is it that sense of a new set of clothes? pretty much. I mean it, it you know I, I get bored very easily and it's you know every time we, we we sit down and do a song,
4: something goes wrong or somebody you know plays something from somewhere else and it and and it works and, it, and I usually like try and grab them. Any new ideas that come along and, and just see if we can fit them into the pot. Some of the, some of the songs that were done solo before now will sound fine with just a big orchestra.
1: And um, I'm going to try and spread it around. Are you collaborating with the LCO in regards to the arrangements? I want to. I, I, I really want to. We've never worked together before. I know, I know what, what they're
4: looking at. What's great about it is that they're all interested in the same thing as a, as as the as composers. You know, the composers want, want a new approach to thing, making different noises, using uh, being very rude to the instruments. So that really gives you a, a very different approach to the, the, the songs and the music, and the way orchestras generally sound. I haven't figured it out yet. I've got a, I've got to look at the orchestra and talk to some of the people there and see what what they have and what they're interested in and and um, we'll, i'm sure we'll have a great time i mean it's uh having an orchestra in the first place is a, is a really luxury I, I just want individual players as has to see what you know how we can how we can shade certain things have different textures moving around in the room i'm looking forward to it really.
1: Take my eyes. I wondered, in general, sort of whether you feel you've been influenced by some of the amazing composers you worked with in the '60s. Yeah, I mean those
4: those Lamont and, and John Cage. They've created kind of um, a rubric from, for for music that is that whatever you do with the music, you come out at the other end with a with a different perspective in what it is. And John was was always very, I mean, apart from silence and all of that, he had a very unorthodox approach to what sound was. Lamont had also had an unorthodox approach to it. He, his idea of long duration was really, he had a very Chinese attitude towards long pieces and compositions that lasted a long time. There was no real beginning and no end with, with Lamont's stuff. With John, he didn't talk about it very much, he placed people in situations with other performers, and with very little conversation, something developed. That's an interesting way of, of, of working with composers. I mean, the people that he worked with didn't generally call themselves composers. A lot of them were technicians. But with Lamont, it was, it was really, he was thinking in terms of aeons, how sound
1: changed over time. Did you take some of those techniques to the Velvet Underground?
4: Oh, yeah, we did that, yeah.
1: Yeah, we did. I mean, it, it, was,
4: it was very interesting because from, 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 the, from that point of view, from the rock and roll point of view, the drones that we used there were, were draped. It, it turned out to be a drapery for the songs. You know, they were, they were the background that expanded the idea of what the songs were about. So there was this tapestry there, working there all the time. But it was all—it it all came from the same idea that long duration was, was the rule. Less trouble than precious. Less trouble than precious.
1: Less trouble than precious. Less trouble than precious. And maybe also with that is a sense of tension, which has obviously been universal in a lot of your music.
4: Well. You can use that, that word in, in all sorts of different ways. You can use it in terms of intonation. You can use it in terms of, of how fast you play. And and it's it's really who you choose to do that with. So that's one of those things that'll, that will, that, that's one of the extrapolations that will come on from from the LCO. I
2: heard there was a secret call That David played and you don't really care for music do you it goes like this the fourth the fifth the minor fall the major lift the baffled king
1: Do you have any reference or template points that you're starting to think about in regards to orchestration, any albums that have had, you know, deep significance for you, if not your own work? No,
4: I, I try to do it in such a way that whatever you're about to hear, you haven't heard before. So if you if you have, you know, you have certain familiar things, they may sound as if you've heard them before, but when you play them with different co- combinations of, of, of music, you really you're tearing apart the fabric of of, of the song of, of of the music. I like the way that happens naturally. I mean, I, I like that way that happens with with a lot of different composers, and even with one individual composer. It's it's, it's how um,
1: how things fall apart when you try and really concentrate on making them sound like something new. Will you be bringing your band as well? Will they be integrated into the sound?
4: Yeah, the band is definitely there. Yeah, I mean we have worked together for, for long enough. We, we kind of know each other very well. Whenever you put something together, the best part of it is being able to have it all fall apart because it all falls apart in a very beautiful way.
2: Of now and then What's needed are some memories of flame. Those
4: plaining lakes will surely come it down. It's very useful to, to have it sound like like it's never sounded before. I mean, it's, it's very nice to have a, a, a viola section and have them play ex- very, very high. And um, and do the same thing with double basses and cellos, is to have them really play extremely high. You're really creating another space. What you're trying to do depending on where we are in the song i mean that's it develops in its own way
1: For you, a song, how do you define it? Is it about storytelling? Is it maybe more in this case about an emotion?
4: Well, both of those things are really important. I mean, storytelling and and the emotion. I mean, I think I start always from the emotion and I tag on to an idea, a, a, a word or a phrase. And if you're using a song as a starting point, you really want to not give the game away early on. You want to have it be something else first and then let it become.
5: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: What it's going to be. I, I, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to describe the process of taking any ideas and really putting an orchestra around them and wrapping it around. And, um, and generally what happens is that everybody has their own idea of what what they think you want and you don't need to correct them every time
1: and how do you find performing live i mean it's obviously been there throughout your career is it something that you've grown into something that's always a challenge
4: well it's 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 a better challenge now that i have bigger forces to work with you're talking about an orchestra you can do so many different things there and it and it really opens up another world for me
1: Worked with some incredible artists whose resonance over the years has grown, such as Nico, The Stooges, um, Nick Drake, Patti Smith. I mean, h- how do those experiences, those artists, leave a mark on you?
4: Oh, generally because they're they you know they, they're unquestionably artists of their own right. I and mean, when he first saw it, when I saw Iggy on stage, I mean, it was obvious that he was something that was not going to go away. It was a, it was it was a phenomenon. And when Patti was up on stage, it was the same thing. The use of language. So, um, I've been very lucky. I mean, those people are really unique people.
2: Efficiency, efficiency, they say Get to know the date and tell the time of day As the crowds begin complaining
3: How the Beaujolais is raining Down and darkened meetings On the Champs-Élysées year ago
1: You've had an OBE from the Queen, but I mean, what for you is your greatest achievement? What would you like to be remembered for?
4: I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not. I'm not sure that there is one thing that's really that I want to hold up and say this is it. I mean, I'm still working. There's so many different ways of doing things that I'm. I'm still, you know, I'm spinning the roulette. Okay.
1: Take care. For me, a challenge to interview, answering the questions not always straight on, but he revealed enough to allow us a brief glimpse into his head, which I hope you enjoyed. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and themed series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on ACAST, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out.